Let me encourage you again this morning to find your sermon notes. You can follow along as we go. Fill in the blanks again, a special prize if you get all the answers right before the end of the sermon. Last week we talked about uh, better Sundays make, or good Sundays make better Mondays. They make the rest of the week better. Sunday should be the highlight of every single week. Now, if they are, we're also going to have much better families. We know, of course, that these days it is harder than ever to raise up our children in the way that they should go. Our culture goes at 90 miles an hour and in several different directions at the same time. It's hard, really difficult to focus on what is really important in the lives of our children. So how many of you are glad that your children are all raised and you don't have to do this stuff anymore? I know. Uh, But the thing is, you never really finish raising them, do you? They always come back, right? And they're always asking for advice, which is really a good thing because, as we heard in the children's message, as parents, and even as grandparents and others in the family, we still have a lot of influence, and it can be a great influence on our children. So our message for today... It's primarily for the nuclear family. It's primarily for parents. But it is for all of us because no matter who we are, there are people that we love upon which we can have a godly influence. So pay attention, all right? So we're going to begin with this verse. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. The direction that you start your children determines the destination where they are likely to arrive. Someone, if you can, because I'm terrible at directions, uh, which is due north? Where is north? It's in this direction, right? So if I were to turn like this, and I am pointing, let's say this is due north, whether it is or not, and you were to give me a little push, After an hour or two, hopefully I am still going in that same direction. I am headed to the north. And though it may not be completely fail-safe, most of the time, if I'm going to walk in that direction, I will end up in the north. And so it is with our children, this principle from God that if we start them in the right direction, they are more likely to end up in the destination where we would have them go. Like the first law of thermodynamics, an object in motion tends to stay in motion, even at the same speed and in the same direction. Now, we know that there's all kinds of other forces in this world, and they can sway our children and determine the speed in which they go, but we can start them off, and we can influence them throughout their lives. So this is the law of the first push for our children. How many of you uh, have ever heard the name Manning? Peyton Manning, anybody here that know that name? Eli Manning. Uh, Why do you suppose they became NFL quarterback? Hmm, hmm. What did their dad do? Oh, yeah. He was an NFL quarterback. How about George Clooney? Anybody ever hear that name? George Clooney, the actor. His aunt, Rosemary Clooney, was also what? An actor, an actress. So so it is with us as we 
point our children in the right direction, the influence that we put on, on them. I love the outdoors because I think I was in the outdoors a great deal when I was a kid on the farm. Now, it's not fail-safe because I'm not a farmer because I was a terrible farmer. I like to be outside. I just don't know what I'm doing out there. So, but you get the point. What I'm going to do today is give you seven biblical practices. Practices. Things that we ought to do, not only for our children, but for all young people, so that they continue in that direction to God and to heaven. So, number one, we could just do this and leave it at that. But then what are we going to do for the next 20 minutes? So, put God first. Make sense? The first principle. Put God first in all things. The best gift that you as parents can do, the best gift that you can give your children, is not to love them first, but to love God first. As you love God first, your children see that. Your wife sees that if you're a man. Your husband sees that if you're a woman. Your children see that. The people around you see that as you put God first, as you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, following his commands. And all these other things that we heard about in the gospel, all these things that the pagans run after, which is our culture, the things that we get confused about thinking they are the most important, what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, what we're going to buy, where we're going to live. All of that, Jesus says, will take care of itself. The Father will take care of all of those needs if we seek him first. Now, how do we do that? Well, a couple of things. First of all, you spend time with him. So that's what we're doing this morning. We're spending time with the Lord. An hour or so, later on, maybe another hour, but not just in the morning, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week. And so it's important to spend time with him, to be in prayer, to be in the word, to rub shoulders with his people. If we're truly seeking God first, it's not just one day a week or a month, but it is continuous. And then to care about what he cares about. Care for what he cares for. Use your money as if it were his. Oh, by the way, it is. <laughs> it is his. In God we trust, it still says in our bills. All of it belongs to him. He's lent it to us for a time. So use it like it truly belongs to him. So as we talk about putting God first, it's not just on Sundays, but throughout the week in our words. The words that we can't say on Sunday, we shouldn't say on Monday. At work, so that everyone there knows that you are a God follower, that you believe in Jesus. You don't have to throw it in their face, but if they ask you why you're always so cheerful and happy and positive, it's because I know I'm going to heaven. There's nothing in this world that can harm me because my God loves me so much that he already died for me. And so there's nothing else that can be all that terrible. That's why I'm so happy all the time when they ask you. And in your attitude, we honor God not only on Sundays, but 
throughout the rest of the week. Now, how many of you do this perfectly? Raise your hand. Yeah, me neither. It is a tall order. God knows that. And there is grace. But when you are not perfect, when you are imperfect, when you fail, then model the same forgiveness when your children are not perfect and they fail that God has given to you. Confess. Admit. One of the greatest things you can do as a parent is to admit when you make a mistake with your kid to their face. And not 20 years later. And when they make mistakes, forgive them. Trust in the Lord's forgiveness because we're all imperfect. So that's number one, and we could just end there, but I want to go into a little bit more detail. Number two, let your kids see your relationship with God. Let them know that he is first. This is what Moses said to the people of God as he had given them their, the Ten Commandments, and now they were about to enter the Promised Land. This is that in Deuteronomy, a reiteration of Exodus 20. And he says, these commandments, these ten that I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, when you're in the minivan, take off your earbuds, listen up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The Orthodox Jews take this so seriously that they literally do this. Literally. They take Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, which we heard earlier. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then all the rest of these words, they put them in a little box, and they put them on the door frames of their houses. It's called a mezuzot. And if you notice, it's not vertical, and it's not horizontal, because the rabbis couldn't agree which way it should be. So they compromise, and it's in an angle, not a bad lesson for us as parents sometimes, not to be so rigid in our own rules for our children. They also tie them on their foreheads and on their wrists or their upper arms to remind them how important it is to follow the commandments of God. Let your kids see your relationship. Let them see you pray. Let them see you read the Bible. When I was a child, and probably a lot of you in my age generation did this, we had family meals together, the lost thing in our culture. We would sit down the one meal of the day, we called it supper, and you would eat probably about 7 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock in the summertime, because you were working out in the fields. And afterwards, my dad would always say, all right, one of you five, because there were five boys, one of you go get the portals of prayer. Yeah, they've been around a long time, I know, portals of prayer. One of you get that, and then one of you read it. And we had our rotation. You would read that Bible verse, and you would read that devotion, and you would say that prayer at the end. I don't know, maybe that's why I'm a pastor today. 
but the influence goes with you. Now, in my particular household, we're not together a lot, and probably not in yours as well, but we still have routines and rituals. There's all kinds of ways to do it. Every morning, we text each other with the Bible verse for the day. Every evening, we text each other with something that we are grateful to God for what he has done in our life. Let your kids see your relationship with God. Number three, let your kids see your spending. Truly, this should not be a sacred secret. How we spend our money is one of the close, more closely guarded things that we do in our families. It ought not to be. If you shared with your spouse regularly, you probably would have less arguments. If you shared with your children regularly, they understand and they learn what is your priority by what you're spending your money on. One of the greatest things you can do is to teach your children to tithe. Use the 10-10-80 model. A lot of you have done this, and there are variations of it, but the first 10% goes where? Anybody? To God. And it's through the local church. This is how God works, through the local church. Now you can give more other places. Ten to the Lord, through the church. And then ten that you save for something later on in the future. And then 80 you can spend on anything you want. So if your allowance for your children when they're real little is a dollar, don't give them a dollar. How are you going to do the ten with a dollar bill? Tear a little corner off? No, give, give them a couple of dimes in there. Ten for the Lord, ten to save for whatever they want later, and eighty to spend now. If it's five dollars, same thing. Fifty cents goes to church, fifty cents. Put it in your piggy bank. The other four dollars, spend it on whatever you like. Now, please understand that there is grace in all of this. God simply wants your heart, and he knows that where your treasure is, that is where your heart is going to be. Now, why 10%? It's a good round number. And it seems like it's also kind of a magic number, where our trust then grows up to that point. Now, I have to tell you that the 10 is not the ceiling. You get that? It's not the most that you can give. It's really the floor, which means a lot of you are living in the basement. Right? I know that sounds hard. There in your notes, there is a, a great quote, and I can't remember where I found this, but it says this, help your children tithe, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse from Malachi, and here's the quote, how much you give not only indicate the size of your heart to develop the size of your heart. Remember the Grinch from Christmas time? What's his problem? His heart is three sizes. How many sizes? Three sizes. Two. How does it grow? When he becomes generous, instead of stealing all the presents, he finds ways to return them and to give even more. He 
want your children to be generous and model generosity. I know you've heard this a hundred times before, but this, this prophecy, this quote, this, this word from God in Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. It's the only place in the entire Bible where God says, test me in this. Remember, Jesus says to the devil, you're not supposed to test the Lord your God. It's, the, it's one of the rules. Don't do that. But it, this one thing, God says, test me in this. And if you do, your storehouses are going to be so full. You'll be blessed so much, you won't have enough room to put all this stuff in. Develop the size of your heart, which will develop the generosity of your children. Number five, serve together together now serve certainly but together a study was done of those children who grew up to love the Lord and the one common denominator certainly that they were in church but that they were serving with their family greet together hush together Teenagers can help in Sunday school with their parents. Vacation Bible school. The next one, number six, go on a mission trip with your children. A number of you have done that. What a great experience that is for you and your children. And number seven, help your children find godly mentors. <clears throat> Mark Twain once said, great parenting advice, that when your children turn 13, stuff them in a barrel and feed them through the knothole. And then when they're 16, fill the knothole. Don't do that. <laughs> But it underscores how difficult it is. We all know if you are a parent that when they get to be somewhere in that preteen age, right, 11, 12, all of a sudden the parents who were once cool no longer are, right? It happens to almost everyone. Somewhere between 11 and 14 in there, and for a while you are not cool at all. So help them find someone who they think is cool. Why we have youth group. Why we have confirmation class. They can find a mentor. That's why we have our senior high and our college kids help with the younger one. Someone to look up to, someone to emulate. Find that godly mentor. So seven practices. Now, how will we apply them? First of all, make Sunday your family day, and I cannot emphasize this too much. Make Sunday your family, you can even write in there, your family fun day. Make it fun. We talked about this last week. If you prepare better on Saturdays, Sundays go so much better. Clothes are laid out. If the routine is established, You've already decided what you're going to wear and what you're going to do. You're going to go to church, and then what? 
Maybe it's a special dinner. Maybe you're going out somewhere. Continue Sunday to be the best day of the week. Talk meaningfully with your family about Sundays. Have all kinds of questions here on the right side. Describe your favorite family day, not counting vacation. That could be a discussion. How does your family have fun? If you're not having any fun, if you can't fill that, that one out, come see me later. What's the best lesson you ever learned from your parents? What do your kids think about that? All kinds of things that you can talk about. If your kids are in Sunday school, ask them, what did you learn today? What are you going to do about it? What did you think of the pastor's sermon? What did I learn? And number three, God's mercies are new every morning. We have a gracious God, a loving God. Do you know why he wants you to put him first? Do you know why he's given us these ten boundaries or commandments? Because he wants the best life for you. And he's given us these, these commands so that we can be successful and happy and healthy and stay on that road finally that leads to him. None of us are perfect. None of us has done it exactly right. Some of you are late in the game. And you wish you had done it differently. You wish you had started earlier. Here's the good news. God's mercies are new every morning. Never too late. Never. Never too late to start. Never too far along to make a new start or to continue all the good things that you've already been doing. God loves Sunday so much because, first of all, he loves you so much. And every single Sunday, we get, we get to come to this place to be with God's people, to hear his word, to be fed with his food. And right up front behind the altar, we have the cross as the greatest reminder God didn't just say, I love Sunday. He didn't just say, I love you. But he showed us on the cross with his son who gave up everything for you. If you have a child, if you have children, make Sunday the very best day of the week. Begin in worship, honoring God. Honor him the rest of the week. If you do not have children, or if they are grown and out of the house, then today, on Sunday, and every Sunday, call them and tell them you love them. And even if you have no children of your own, call somebody. And tell them God loves them, and so do you. God loves Sunday. And he wants you to love them too. For it is the absolutely best day. Amen?